0: Yes, hi, hello, this is Jacqueline, and you are listening to The Reach, an audio summary of ABA's most recent book club meeting. I'm trying something new. I am not a professional podcaster, and I am not a formal person, so these are going to be short summaries, short verbal recaps of some of the themes in this month's idea book club pick. Book club picks range from nonfiction, to essay, to poetry collections, to film, to really anything. So really, more than a book club, this is a space where you can have discussions about anything in the diversity topic area. You might be asking yourself, Jacqueline, why are you taking this so seriously? No, but you may be asking yourself is, why is this uh, sort of Blinkist ripoff called The Reach? Well, there's an answer to that question. The point of book club, in terms of this organization, isn't necessarily to read books. Um, It's just a place to have conversations. So really, the focus is on reaching, right? Reaching for understanding, reaching for empathy, uh, reaching for community with with experiences that are really different from our own. So that's the goal. That's what we're doing here. And now let's dive in. (laughs) Yes, right. So the pick for April 2022's book club meeting was James McBride's 2020 novel, Deacon King Kong. So while book club does tend to typically focus on works of nonfiction, this was our first foray into the fiction world. This book was a New York Times bestseller and it was an Oprah's book club pick and one of Barack Obama's favorite reads both of 2020. Um, so this book definitely is in the public eye, even even now, about two years later, and, and pretty well regarded. The novel focuses on two different communities in Brooklyn, New York in 1969. The first community is an incredibly racially and ethnically and culturally diverse community centered around the Five Ends Baptist Church. This community is also located within Brooklyn, within one sort of neighborhood, the cause houses, sort of housing project within the Brooklyn area. The second community tells the story of a more generalized Italian-American experience, certainly from an immigrant's perspective. Um, This story is mostly told through the the story and and the events around the Elefante family. So you heard that right, Elefante as an elephant in Italian. While most of these characters in the Elefante family do speak Italian. Um, All of them appear to be native speakers, so there isn't a lot of switching in between Italian and English for this group of people. These are two communities that on their face seem different, um, but there are a lot of similarities. Both communities have a pretty good amount of crime within, and this seems to be sort of one of the family um, inheritances of, of each community. The Elefantes are in a sort of organized crime flavor of, of sort of shipping of illegal goods. There is a lot of ambiguity around what it is exactly that the Elefantes do, but it is certainly the transfer of goods um, surreptitiously from one place to another. They control a dock that is not far from the Five Ends Baptist Church. So that is sort of the geographical um, overlap between the two communities. In the Five Ends Baptist Church community and in the Cause Houses uh, housing project, the main criminal activity is is certainly related to the sale of illicit drugs, uh, primarily harder drugs like heroin and cocaine. Another important difference between these two seemingly different communities in the novel is that both the Italian American community sort of told through the lens of the Elefante family and the community uh, connected to the Five Ends Baptist Church which is more, certainly more racially and culturally and ethnically diverse than the, than the Italian American community, um, is that they are both seen as social minorities. Regardless of the fact that Italian Americans may or may not be white passing, that um, folks that belong to the Latinx or Hispanic ethnic group may be considered white passing, Um, All of that aside, um, the issue of caste, of low socioeconomic status, of a language barrier in a lot of cases, um, certainly probably in all cases here regarding both of these communities, that does affect how a white default or a white, quote unquote, majority uh, might uh, sort of prejudice or discriminate against these outsider groups. And this is primarily because due to differences in native language or color of skin or social standing um, as dictated by economic status, that these other groups, both the Italian American community and the five ends Baptist church community are seen as others. They don't fit with the default, with the majority, which is to be clear, unfortunately in American society, at least a white default, a middle class default. An English speaking as a native speaker, default. Finally, a third similarity between these two communities is the idea of how they redeem themselves or how they are redeemed. I won't add any spoilers in here because I sincerely hope everyone finds the time to read this novel. It is an absolute delight from start to finish. There is a reason why it is so well-regarded critically. But I will say here that the idea of redemption, particularly at the end of the novel for these characters, is a tricky one. It's a bit of a sticky wicket in a couple of ways. Society does not redeem these characters, these these individuals that are more often than not impoverished, that resort to crime in order to find their way in the world and support their families, that are outsiders in many different ways. The social safety nets that help certain parts of the population, do not help these characters. In fact, they fail these characters. So their fate is sort of left up to them in terms of how they break free from these systems and how they create better lives for themselves, how they find love, how they protect the the children of the community, how they imagine and create a better world. For the Italian American community, the story of the eldest Elefante son results in him leaving the Italian American community and marrying an Irish woman. There is, if, if you also come, as I do, from a, a family of Italian immigrants, a, a bit of a stereotype about the relationship between Irish immigrants and Italian immigrants. Spoiler alert, it's not a positive and productive and healthy relationship. It's actively antagonistic, or certainly it was in the 60s and 70s. And bear in mind that Italy was a little bit late to the reunification game, so the idea of having a strong core unit of people upon which you can depend is even more resonant for Italian immigrants. For the Five Ends Baptist Church community, redemption does look a little different, and largely it is a turning away from crime. A turning towards the Five Ends Baptist Church community in some cases. Leaving the community even for one character. And death for one of them as well there is no deus ex machina of the government to save these characters it is by and large up to them to change their fates and indeed they do in slightly different ways all right so you may be asking yourself y'all read this novel so what how does this connect back to diversity great question book club, for our purposes, is not really about the book. It's about the discussions that come from the context of the book, the elements of the work of nonfiction or fiction. With that in mind, there are two themes that emerged from the diversity topic area that are worth a closer look at, particularly within the context of Deacon King Kong. Those two concepts are shadism and decolonizing language. Here we go. The concept of shadism, at least for me as a person who grew up in South Carolina when the Confederate flag was still flying over the statehouse, is a a tricky one. It makes me feel bad for using the word biracial, right? And I think it's supposed to. Shadism refers to prejudice based on skin tone, and this is usually accompanied by a preference for lighter skin complexions. And from prejudice does come discrimination um, and and bias, right? So those are the action-based parts of of prejudice, but prejudice is simply the attitude. Shadism is sometimes referred to as colorism, um, and it's also considered to be a more significant intra-racial, so within a certain race, uh, versus interracial, so between two different races issue. You might hear the word passing a lot in conversations about shadism or conversations that are around shadism, and there's a reason for that. This is the reason why passing as white is different from being white. Race is primarily perceived based on looking at someone. What color is your skin and how dark do I think it is and do I think that it's light enough for you to look white? On its own, shadism is incredibly problematic, but it's especially toxic when it conflates race with ethnicity. A great example is a consideration of the Latinx or Hispanic ethnic group. An ethnic group expresses or exhibits markers of diversity primarily through language and cultural differences. Race is a social construct based on how light or dark someone's skin color is. With members of the Latinx and Hispanic ethnic group, um, these individuals have more melanin in their skin. They may not pass as white, but sometimes they do. To call them white when their skin is lighter is not accurate, and to call them black when their skin is darker is also not accurate. And so, due to systems of systemic bias, when a white passing person of the Latin or Hispanic group receives privileges that are given to them unconsciously by members of the white default and majority simply because they look more white, that's really bad. <laughs> James McBride does a masterful job of through the use of dialogue exploring the differences between ethnic group and race because bound up in the race of black is the african-american ethnicity is the black american ethnicity which is shown by mcbride as he uses african-american vernacular english abbreviated as aave formerly known as ebonics which is an English Creole language, not a dialect of American English, spoken primarily by black Americans of African descent. This is contrasted with the use of Spanish in the dialogues between members of the uh, Latinx or Hispanic ethnic group as a part of that community. The danger here, though, with Shadism, and this is the larger takeaway, right, is that it it does sort of blur the line between race and ethnicity. And those are two very different and distinct things. Race is made up (laughs) and ethnicity is actually rooted in some pretty distinct cultural differences. While both have some aspects of self-identification in play, certainly whether or not someone sees their ethnicity as a part of their identity is one thing, but race is, is largely assigned by society. And that's why Shadism is so dangerous. So if we put Shadism to the side for a second, since we've sort of done a high-level overview of, of kind of that term and certainly its place within Deacon King Kong... We can take a closer look at decolonizing language. And one great example of this is the phasing out of the BIPOC term. BIPOC today, in April of 2022, is already complicated. BIPOC is an acronym that stands for Black, Indigenous, and People of Color. There are some good things about this acronym. First of all, it's a people-first term. And that means rather than use words like marginalized or prejudiced against, we can use something like BIPOC, which puts the focus on words that people would use to identify themselves. Particularly for white Americans, it does put the focus on black and indigenous communities, which given this country's history, it's important to recognize those as as sort of two of the the primary communities against which um, early acts of violence were committed. This is not to say that other ethnic groups and races were not discriminated against and and were victims of systemic bias within uh, white American culture, quite the contrary. But it does certainly shine a focus in terms of American history on the forcible seizure of land from indigenous tribes in in North America, along with institutionalized slavery of Africans uh, for economic gain. However, there is a bit of an issue with the BIPOC acronym and I perceive this to be a more recent issue in terms of social discourse, BIPOC as a term, specifically the POC part, the people of color part, does center whiteness as the default. And whiteness being the default is problematic for a lot of reasons. However, there are other limitations with this term. It does use the word color, which sounds a lot like color to some people, and that evokes the whole Jim Crow era in the American South, which isn't great. While it's a useful phrase, um, any umbrella term does have limitations. Um, It does, as I noted earlier, emphasize the effects of systemic bias on indigenous and black populations, where certain ethnic groups, while certain ethnic groups do experience prejudice in similar ways, they are not included in this term, unfortunately. And this term is just not sufficient for people who are, relevant to the discussion of shadeism earlier, white passing or self-identifying as white adjacent. First use of the term BIPOC appears to date to the early to mid 2010s. However, it really gained popularity in the summer of 2020, particularly in response to some of the race-related police violence that occurred during that period of time, in particular, George Floyd's murder as, as one significant catalyst. A more inclusive and more popular term, however, is people of the global majority, or PGM, if you like acronyms as I do. I really like this term. It is like BIPOC, people first, but it is more inclusive in fact. It refers to people who are black, Asian, brown with a capital B, dual heritage, biracial, indigenous to the global south, or have been racialized as, and I'm making air quotes here that you can't see, ethnic minorities. People of the global majority actually solves all of the problems that BIPOC created. For these reasons, BIPOC is not synonymous with PGM. But truthfully, the biggest problem with the term BIPOC is that it's just not accurate. Whiteness is not reflective of the global majority. In fact, around 80% of the world's population is of African, Asian, Latin American, and Arab descent. This is the vast majority. People with more melanin in their skin are certainly not the minority, at least not anymore to continue speaking about these racial and ethnic groups as if they are the minority further reinforces systemic bias that benefits unconsciously certain groups of people because of the way that they look. And I don't need to talk about why, that's not right. The origins of this come from white people, specifically white men who have held power to categorize other people in relation to themselves. This is the reason why it's really hard to other, as a society, white men, because they created the categories for other people who look different to fit into. And now certainly, if you are listening to this and you are a white man, it's not your fault and you don't need to reckon for every injustice done by any white man to any person of the global majority. Certainly not but it's something to be aware of in order to be sensitive regarding the impact of what you do and what you say and how you move through the world to people who have fewer and and different opportunities because of things that they can't control. So the main takeaway here, BIPOC is somewhat fraught now because it centers on white as the default. However, people of the global majority is a more inclusive, more affirming alternative. So that's about it for our discussion on James McBride's 2020 novel, Deacon King Kong. If you haven't read it, I encourage you to, and I encourage you to come to the next ABA Idea Book Club meeting. We have lots of fun. We get vulnerable. It's a really good time. And as a reminder, you don't have to read the book. You just have to show up. Have a great day, and thanks for listening to The Reach.